It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning, our lines are open 0818-103-103 You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103 It's Monday's edition of Cork Today JP with you until 1 And Patricia is back uh, from our holidays tomorrow morning But with you until 1 And Bernie taking your calls and comments Which are welcome across the show We'll get to what's ahead But first some breaking news uh, This is a stabbing uh, which occurred last night In Banning colleague Paul Byrne Southern correspondent with Virgin Media News Joins me Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, JP. What can you tell us at what happened last night in Ballincollig? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We're talking around 11 o'clock last night, Inishmore Drive in Ballincollig. It's uh, near the Ballincollig Community School or the Business Park in Ballincollig. Now, emergency services were alerted to an incident uh, at 11 o'clock. Um, the call initially came through as a possible gunshot wound or a stabbing. Emergency services were unclear as to the circumstances until they arrived at the house. Now, when they got there, they found that a man in his 30s had sustained what I understand is a stab wound to the face. And he was immediately taken to Cork University Hospital, where his condition is described as non-life-threatening. However, the same person was subjected to a vicious attack last week or the week before in broad daylight in Ballincollig. And he received a slash wound to his the left-hand side of his face from his, the side of his nose right across the cheek, in under the ear, and just to the middle of his neck. So you're talking possibly oh, 10 to 12 inches of a slash wound. And it was a very, very deep cut as well at that because there's actually pictures of his injuries circulating on social media. And it just goes to show that knives, are very much prevalent, whether it's a Stanley knife or, a, um, a, a, you know, a, a very, very uh, d- uh, sharp knife. These are readily available and used in incidents. And, uh, you know, we're living now in a day and age where people just have absolutely no respect for, for life. Indeed. And any arrests on this incident last night, Paul? No arrests at the moment, as far as we know. But, Gardaí, when the injured party is in a position to be interviewed. Detectives will speak to him. 
They'll try to ascertain all of the circumstances surrounding the incident. Um, I understand that the detectives have a number of people in mind for the attack, but a lot of it will have to do with how cooperative the injured party is. Sometimes people tend to uh, not talk to the guards and for the fear of another attack or for the sake that they might decide to carry out, um, you know, deal with it themselves. So it's early stages yet, but a lot will have to do with how the injured party cooperates with the detectives investigating this uh, attack. And the area where this happened last night, a central area in Ballincollig, was there some sort of an incident in the same housing estate last year, Paul? There was. Um, we're talking August 2022, uh, around one o'clock in the morning. Um, we know that for definite, three men, possibly five men, wearing balaclavas, all masked up, broke their way into a house and attacked a man and a woman. The man was in his 60s, the woman was in her 30s, they were seriously injured because the machete was used in that attack, as was a golf club and a baseball bat. A number of weapons were found at the time. They were forensically examined. Um, but my understanding is that no one has been arrested in relation to that attack. But those two people were very seriously injured in, in the attack. Again, it goes to show we're living in a very, very different environment to that of 20 years ago. It does indeed, uh, Paul, for the moment. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning with the latest on that story from Banning Colleague. Thank you, JP. Take care. Paul Byrne there, Southern correspondent with Virgin Media News. We'll have the latest across our news bulletins here on C103 here with Barry O'Mahony across the morning and ahead on the show on Cork Today until 1. Uh, you remember last week we heard how 5.6 million euros in compensation was paid out by Cork County Council by way of compensation to those who sustained injuries on footpaths while local access groups, well, they have been uh, reacting to this and they're saying the council need to be more proactive Active when it comes to footpaths. We're going to speak uh, with one of those access groups this morning from Clonakilty. And concerns in Formoy and what seems to be a proposed reduction with Formoy South Dock. Now, it's been hinted at for a while and while nothing was concrete on this and initially the HSC told us they have heard nothing and there's no information on this from the HSC and they were not aware of any changes. Uh, local doctors and indeed councillors in the area have learned that the service hours are proposed to be reduced, meaning it would only operate from 6pm to 10pm and then people would have to contact the ambulance service after this and we're well aware the ambulance service is under enough pressure as it is. We'll be discussing that this morning and as I call it for my South Dock it does cover a large area it's taken in all the hinterland areas and taken in the areas of Mitchellstown and further so it does cover a large area of North and East Cork and staying with health those living in Blarney received letters last Friday from the HSC informing the of their GP services now moving to Blackpool at nearly 8k away and many as you would imagine unhappy with this they were hoping a GP could be found to service the Blarney area in Blarney it doesn't seem so Uh, we'll hear from those unhappy with that as well on the show this morning and over the last few weeks and months uh, we've been contacted by farmers who were concerned over the new cap agreements which will see a delay in a number of farm payments. We'll be joined by Harold Kingston of the IFA and also a local farmer on exactly what is happening here and why farmers are unhappy and those who are contacting us have concerns about the future of farming following the change in cap. On our insurance segment, Paul Kavanagh from McCarthy Insurance Group will join us later this morning discussing uninsured drivers and also are you un- 
under insuring your home. And from 12.30, Annalisa Drizel answering all your nutritional questions. If you have a question for Annalise, get into us uh, early as it does get very busy with questions so we'll take those now uh, Bernie on the phone 0818 103 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 those numbers as well for calls and comments on anything we're discussing or something you want to raise on this morning's show you can email as well Cork today at c103.ie and something that we continuously hear about making news this morning in the Irish Daily Mail and this is how we're well aware now Irish identities are being stolen but now seemingly they're being sold online for for as less and as low as €25. It's a major uh, investigation and it shows data breaches which have resulted in a significant number of Irish customers' bank login details, passwords, PPS numbers and addresses being packaged together and then that information is sold on the dark web. Now, the package, it can be referred to as fulls. It's a criminal slang, seemingly, and it contains the person's real name, uh, their address, their form of ID, uh, credit card numbers, you can buy copies of someone's passport or even driving licenses are for sale in this area of the dark web. And we're hoping to speak uh, with someone from the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland on the show, if not today, tomorrow or at some stage this week on this, because uh, which is worrying enough, you can buy, it seems, credit card details on the dark web for £10 or €10 and many might think well you know who's going to be doing this seemingly with the cost of living crisis there is a lot of people who are either know someone that can gain access that is part of the web and they're chancing it and if they can get the credit card details or debit card maybe of some person and go online and buy shopping that will feed their family for a week that's what they are doing and then you may have someone receiving their bank statement and see thirty euros spent in Super Value or Duns and Tesco, and you're then yourself are questioning, was I there on that day? And that is what is happening at the moment. Uh, but it does also lead to how many scam calls people are getting, scam emails, and scam texts, which are doing the rounds at the moment, like that eFlow one, which is uh, doing the rounds again over the weekend. And a lot of people have been on to us about that again. Uh, it seems to come in batches, whereby you'll get a day where you get a load of people who've received the same text supposed to be it's not eFlow but they are pretending to be eFlow and again uh, those texts landed at the weekend that could be one of the reasons for that uh, due to data breaches over the years and now a lot of our uh, personal information is lying somewhere in the dark web which is very concerning but then you would uh, see and and you and often we get people ringing us saying they were in a certain store but they were never there on that day and you would question if you were there or not yourself but it does then answer the question when you see this that people may be using our details to go and buy shopping feed their families with somebody else's credit card details and it does show up then that you may have been on that store or ordering online from that store so uh, that is something we'll touch on again across the week uh, but it does answer a lot of questions on why so many of us are getting those scam calls and getting scammed for one reason or another and then we spoke with the INTO last week and as they were calling for pay rises for teachers because of the cost of living crisis and the housing situation as everybody is calling for a pay rise uh, one of the issues we put to them and it actually was raised then at the INTO on that same day was would they look and go like the UK whereby if you live in London the those in the public service that is in London get a higher wage than those maybe working outside of London, for example, in Leeds or Manchester, because the cost of living would not be as high as London. We said, could you 
would you even consider the same here or proposing that uh, for those teachers who were working in Dublin or any public servant that is working in Dublin have a higher wage and then if you're outside of Dublin your wage would be different and that would sustain the cost of living because accommodation is a lot higher in Dublin uh, compared to if a teacher was based in County Clare. Well it was raised but uh, it seems according to the Tonish and Michal Martian uh, that issue would be very very challenging for the government to agree. The Tonish has said the government was aware of the challenge facing key staff in the education and health sectors and that they are competing for housing in Dublin amid shortages and the available accommodation and the high rents. But he would engage with the unions on that issue and they would address that issue through pay, which would be difficult, but they would not be looking at an increase for those working, it would seem, in the Dublin area, like which was suggested at the INTO. Also, something we put to the Gardaí who joined us last week, the AGSI, the Association of Garda sergeants and inspectors they haven't gone that far as yet regarding this but it's something they would look at certainly but the government's ruling that out more or less uh, when the Tonish and Michal Martin spoke about that at the weekend and we touched on this on Friday and we spoke with Adara Cassidy from Bonkers.ie and you're all aware when I mentioned going to the shop there a while ago if you do go to the shop the prices have gone up and I think everybody's paying a lot more now uh, for your grocery shop well Pennies have done a survey their first survey they have done on this and it shows that cash-strapped families are skipping bills to pay for their children's basic needs as the cost of living continues to soar. It's Penny's Pulse of the Nation Index report and it's showing how four in ten people felt that themselves and maybe their friends that their quality of life has fallen over the past few months due to rising costs. Inflation is weighing most heavily on families who at 34% are almost twice as likely to have skipped a bill to prioritise other spending compared to 19% of households without children. And the report goes on to say that given the families included in this report tend to have fixed household incomes, which is already stretched due to factors like childcare, which is increasing, the food and energy costs, which we know are going up. It's putting enormous pressures on anybody who already has had a tight budget. Now, the research uncovered a clear contrast in how families with children under 17 were experiencing the cost of living crunch compared to households without children. And we are well aware of the figures which were released by the CSO last week showing the rising inflation has left households around €1,000 worse off. And Ireland's rate of inflation uh, for the last 12 months uh, from March 2023 uh, was 7.7%. Uh, and that's a continuously high. Uh, it's in the 18th consecutive month when inflation topped 5%. So it's, it is really a worrying for those with children, especially who are trying to uh, juggle everything, juggle life, and now juggle budgeting as well uh, within their grocery shopping and then your energy bills. But you know, you don't need a survey to tell us that we are all finding it tough. But that just outlines uh, what ex- exactly is happening. And, and Penny's doing that Pulse of the Nation survey. Also within that survey, they uh, looked at those who were coming into their store and buying, let's say, those, you know, those fleeces that you can get in Penny's, those kind of warm hoodies. Uh, and the other type of pyjamas that they're famous for within pennies. Well, seemingly the cost of the sales area of those rose, mainly because people bought those fleeces and furry items to feel warm when at home and they wore warmer clothes 
And as a result, they did not turn on their heating or light the fire as much because they felt if they put on the warmer clothing and the fleeces, it would reduce their energy bills. And also many people cancelled entertainment subscriptions. That was nearly half of their bills to reduce, they said. So the likes of uh, subscription TV and any of the Netflix or Paramount Plus or any of those, they were all cancelled. But interesting to see uh, the rise of those uh, woolly pyjamas and fleeces in pennies uh, was increased over the winter months as people openly said in that survey to them uh, that they purchased those to keep warm and turn off the gas or the oil or not light the fire as much just to save on costs. And you'd be well aware of uh, President Biden, of course, who finished up his trip to Ireland last Friday night with a huge address in Ballina that was beamed right across the world on all TV stations. And it has led to a local priest in Ballina. This is Father Kevin Holmes. He has said that uh, Joe Biden, the US president uh, in Ballina, just highlights how rural parishes have been completely neglected by the government and all governments over the last 10 to 20 years. He said for weeks, locals from the scenic town worked tirelessly to spruce up their community for the US president. And as a result of their hard work, the entire area of Balana was indeed broadcast across the world. And I think that could be said for any town right across Cork as well or across the country that many feel that, that the rural areas have been neglected. And I know there was a lot of WhatsApps into us towards the end of last week and this was to do with how the Transport Minister and the, the leader of the Green Party Eamon Reinfeldt about Joe Biden's visit because of the huge motorcade that greeted him when he landed into Ireland well Mr Ryan that question was put to him and he said he has to get around as in the US President and he has to have all the team with him uh, Eamon Ryan went on to say that in his view that will all change in the future. This is all going to go towards clean energy systems everything including motorcades and including the aviation sector so that was his answer uh, when he was asked about how he felt with all those aeroplanes and helicopters and motor cars uh, he, Mr Eamon Ryan said he needs them but also he went on to say that if people don't change as in if you don't go electric, if you don't change your way of living, that if you're not ahead of it, well, then you're going to fall behind. He added that at the end. Anyhow, uh, interesting as well, when I mentioned Eamon Ryan, uh, cycle lanes, according to those who are in Fine Fáil and indeed Fine Gael, maybe councillors on the ground, and of course election is underway, uh, they feel that the cycle lanes will cost them seats in next year's local elections. So... <laughs> a lot of different feeling uh, coming up within the government parties as the elections are around the corner. And there's going to be good news for Bandon. We heard Barry there say it in the news. The Cork County flag is coming to Bandon and it's been hosted in Bandon by Town branch of the Camholtus Clotori Aaron. It'll go, it was launched actually last Saturday night at the Bandon GEA Pavilion and it will go ahead at the May Bank Holiday Weekend where competitions will take place in St. Brogan's College in Bandon. Also they'll move into the GEA a Pavilion in Bandon and as Town are running the event as well O'Mani's Bar in Town, they will have a Kaylee uh, also in the Town Community Hall uh, so there'll be a lot of singing in O'Mani's Bar a lot of dancing in the Town Community Hall as there will be in Brogan's College and the GA Pavilion in Bandon and within that at the May Bank Holiday Weekend uh, traditional music and sessions will take place in bars across Bandon Town and again it's on the May Bank Holiday Weekend for the Cork County Flacule taking place in Bandon good news there uh, 0818 103 103 our lines are open or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 A lot of calls and comments across the weekend on our conversation last week regarding the amount of
can't have compensation paid out on those who sustained injuries on footpaths. Access groups have been in touch. We'll pick up on those calls and comments next. Court today on C103. Last week we heard how Cork County Council paid out over 5.6 million euros on claims to those who sustained injuries on footpaths. Now that led to a conversation on investment into footpaths across Cork, but also access groups posing questions. And one of those is Clonakilty Access Group. And Kenneth O'Sullivan joins me from Clonakilty this morning. Good morning to you, Kenneth. Good morning, uh, JP. And, and thanks for joining record, us. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the PRO of the Atlantic Health Access Group, I'm, so I'm speaking in that capacity. You're today. speaking as PRO. Excellent. Well, <coughs> I suppose as PRO, and you list, you'd have known yourself, I mean, you're involved for a long, long time, kind of thing, Clonic Hilti, uh, from it, be it a town council point of view or a community representative as well. And, and hearing that news last week that so much has been paid out <coughs> on claims, I mean, the level of money which could be invested in the footpath is something your group and others who have contacted us will be looking for and calling on the local authorities uh, to be more proactive I suppose on the streets of our towns and cities Well yes I mean it, it was actually a staggering figure to hear it being revealed I think by a freedom of information request to the council by uh, Deputy Sherlock um, uh, um, you know it's it's not a surprise in some ways that there I'd like to know the, to be interesting to get the breakdowns of the various towns or whatever but that's probably neither here nor there. I mean, the big thing is that, in my view, that the council officially would learn from these experiences and try to prevent rather than curing issues, um, you know. And here in Clannacilty, and that's what I'm specifically talking about this morning, I suppose, there has been a lot of investment over the last 10 or 12 years in the town streetscape, in particular the, the middle of town there, the, the, the town centre. Uh, it was all revamped there about 10 years ago and it's a second phase done there about 2016. Um, lots of those things are positive and they're good and they're, 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 uh, they're beneficial for, for everyone. But um, at the same time, then you have, you have side streets literally coming off of those lovely areas uh, that are not very good and they're in an awful state for years. And I, I, I'm going to mention one in particular, which is Osna Street, which is off the Osna Square there, which is a lovely city out here for people to drink coffee and all that. And yet, the, you know, within a few metres of that, it's, it's almost like the, the moon landscape uh, in terms of the, the footpath being too narrow, but also the surface, it's, it's terrible altogether. And we have issues like ramps that should be put in for people with disabilities like wheelchairs and all that. Um, items placed on footpaths by the council themselves, you know, like sitting out, uh, um, seating and things like that. They're lovely if you're fully sighted and able-bodied and can get around and you can see them to avoid them. But some of these things are placed in in not very intelligent areas is where I would call it, right in the middle of footpaths where people are traversing and walking and, and, and passing by. Yeah, uh, and, and for many that have got on to us, Kenneth, over the weekend <coughs> and emailed us and, and, and wrote to us, they're saying, they're calling them hazards, those uh, maybe menu boards or seating, as you mentioned there. I mean, it has been spoken about before to have more laws around this type of outdoor activity. <coughs> and I mean, you guys would have worked with many businesses over the years as well, which uh, clonic ability to, to work and sit down. So it benefits both business and indeed those who need to access footpaths. But as you mentioned, maybe wheelchair users or, or more. Yes, well, the, the the thing is about it, footpaths are called footpaths because they're for feet or for pedestrians or for people that are not driving, and the roads are for traffic, um, you know, bicycles and and uh, tra- motorbikes and yeah. cars and all the rest of it. Um, 
So, like, the thing is that footpaths should be kept clear for everyone that wants to use them in, in a proper way. Um, and there are laws and bylaws and all sorts of things. And this, look, this thing is going with the last 30 years, the, these, these arguments about items being placed by, most of the time, by, by some businesses, a small number sometimes, uh, on footpaths, and particularly narrow footpaths, where, like, a, a menu board or something is put out in the morning. It's there all day. And it can create a problem for people trying to pass. And like, it's not just people with wheelchairs or the people that might be uh, partially sighted or, or, or visually impaired completely. It's also people with prams, you know, particularly double buggies, which a lot of people do have, trying to get around. We've we've seen it in, in narrow footpaths in Clannacilty. You know, parents pushing a pram. They come to a certain area and there's a seating or something put out in front of a shop or a business. And they literally have to go outside of a park car onto the onto the road where traffic is passing, to go around to get to continue on their way onto back onto the footpath. Like that is not acceptable. And the council knows about it. It's been highlighted for years. We raised it last year at a formal meeting or or access group uh, officers with with officers of the county council in Clannacilty. Um, you know, there was a kind of a thing which we're we're not about you know, closing down businesses and, and that's the kind of stuff that sometimes people accuse us of that we're negative. It's far from it. What we want to do is make sure that our town and uh, the access group where we're trying to make our town one of the best in Ireland for people, uh, for access for people with disabilities and, and you know, people with prams and all the rest of it. Um, so there are laws and bylaws not being there, but they're not being enforced and implemented. A bit like a lot of things, there's, it's an Irish solution to an Irish problem. But who would enforce and them, Kenneth? Beg your pardon? Who would enforce them? Well, would would the they have to employ job. someone to enforce them? Like, who would it be the driver, or not the driver, the traffic <laughs> warden? Would that be the person that would be then given an extra job to enforce these bylaws? Well, well, I do know in some towns around the country, the, the, the respective council and councils in those areas are a lot more proactive. So, by law, as I understand it, if if a person wants to place anything out on a public footpath, like a menu board or a seating or tables or chairs or whatever. They have to first of all apply to the local authority, their council, to for a special license, which the council would then look at the footpath, the width of it, and all that. They're then supposed to give them a license or not grant a license based on the the ability of people to pass by, and and they're meant to then, um, you know, there, there's terms and conditions like it can't be ten tables and table ten chairs, you know, going on to the next door neighbours. There's a specific area in terms of square metres that the, the table should be um, within and, and not be put out in the middle of the footpath and must be in by the wall and all that kind of thing. So common sense can prevail. But the problem in, that we have here in Clannacilty is, um, and we've tried to get this information from our local council uh, people over the years, um, is that as far as we are aware, there is no item whatsoever, be it a sign or a, a chair or a table, licensed anywhere in Clannacilty town that we're aware of uh, that has got a proper license. Yet the, the businesses seem to be able to put them out, some of them. Now, I, I, there's positive stuff in this as well that I, I'll refer to in a minute. Um, but, like, that that impedes the right of people. Like, if you were going up the, the street and there was a person of a different skin colour coming down the street and a shopkeeper or someone went out and put their hand up and told them they could not pass by their house, by, by their building, there would be uproar, rightly so. That would be um, discrimination and, uh, you know, all the rest of it. And 
and yet someone on a wheelchair or a person with a white stick with with poor sight or people with prams that want to pass by uh, a business that has some article, some item out on the, on the footpath illegally, I may add, uh, is stopped or prevented from passing by. There doesn't seem the same emphasis. So it's basic human rights is what we're talking about here. And what we also say is that people with disabilities are also customers. They will go into a shop or a cafe or have a cup of tea if if, if they can access the town centre. People often say to us, John Paul, oh, we hardly ever see people in wheelchairs in, in, in the middle of town, so there's no point in trying to do anything about it. Uh, our, our, our point of that is that they're avoiding the town centre because sometimes of the difficulty they have of getting around. And we do know that they do go to other places on the outskirts of the town because there is proper access uh, for people like that. You, you did mention, uh, I'll, I'll just finish on this point. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the uh, planability. So mm-hmm. our planability is a campaign that our, our, our group set up there a couple of years ago. And what it was is, uh, rather than waiting for the council to come and do the writing and police, you know, thing, like in, in our view, anything that's out on the footpath, the, the, the business should be getting a letter warning them or asking them to remove it and, and apply for a licence properly. Or alternatively, if that doesn't happen, then they should be the, the item should be taken away by the council and uh, kept for the person to, to collect and ensure that they wouldn't put them back out. Um, but in, in Clannacilty, we got on with the Chamber of Commerce here, and last year we were uh, we had a very successful summer with it. And we 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 asked them. We went around to various businesses, and a lot of them actually approached us voluntarily themselves. And we said, "Would you make a public pledge to?" keep your footpath in front of your business clear so not to, not to put out anything that would obstruct anyone passing by. <clears throat> and we had about almost 30 businesses signed up to that. And what we did, we, we took a photograph of the businesses with, with the sign saying basically they agreed with planability. Uh, they pledged not to, you know, things like bins as well being put out, wheelie bins, and that they're ne- not left out all day. People pledged to take them in as soon as they were emptied and stuff like that. Um, so there, there was a very positive thing with that and people got their photograph taken and we published them all and gave them positive publicity on our, our Facebook page and people can look at them if they wish. Um, but I think that's probably the way to go. We have, as you know, in, in certain towns in West Cork, Bandon and Bantry, I think in particular, they're uh, age-friendly towns and these issues apply to them as well and we'd, I'd, I'd be encouraging those people to keep an eye on things like, you know, street furniture where they've been placed either by the council, like, seats put out by the council for yeah. pets. Yeah, are, actually are somebody's making that point sure on outdoor dining proper. areas, Kenneth, the outdoor dining areas that are being placed and taken <clears> up, not our own car spaces, but also footpath spaces. That's annoying a lot of people as well. They were put out over the uh, lockdown times. Yeah, well, the lockdown, and, and again, again, look, I emphasise completely, we're, we're all supporting our local business and we ask people to shop local and support local businesses. And the lockdown did, did a result in these outdoor dining areas um, on streets. Now, as far as I understood at the time, and we understood, these were meant to be placed on roads, not on footpaths. So that a, a parking space or a couple of parking spaces in front of a restaurant or a cafe or whatever would be would be taken up. They'd get a license just for a certain period of time. The car, parking spaces would be removed and they could put up a, a, a perimeter or, and seats and tables and all the rest out there. Um, but but there, there have been cases, unfortunately, where, where some of these have encroached on, on footpaths as well. Um, 
owners will tell you that they're, they have got legitimate licenses and this is the way the license was granted by the council, which really surprised us when we heard it uh, around here. But we have to take people's word for it and hope that people would learn from it. But again, it is it would be impeding on some people and whatever about people maybe that might have wheelchairs, they could maybe still get around some of these areas. But people that might be blind or partially blind or poorly sighted, uh, it is a huge issue. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and the last thing I would say is about footpaths in case there's other towns being revamped at the moment to try and get people to make sure that proper footpath surfaces are put down. Um, while while a lot of the county surfaces are, are nice and all that, we do get complaints from people regularly on wet days in particular that some of the, the, the surfaces can be a bit slippy. Yeah, I've that noticed that. Everyone has fallen around the place, but uh, it has happened. Yeah, it can, and it's happened in many towns, actually, that I've been in. A wet day, you will see that, and it's 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 kind of catches you off guard because you don't realise the footpath is that slippy until you actually land on it yourself. Mm. So, yeah, it is something to yep. be aware of. Uh, Kenneth, yep. I have to leave it there, but thanks for joining thanks us sure. this morning. A lot of reaction to that. That is Kenneth O'Sullivan, who's PRO of the Clonakilty Access Group, on that story from last week, and still people uh, who are questioning the amount of money which was paid out for those who sustained injuries injuries from footpaths right across Cork. Your views are welcome on 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The concerns continue in Formoy regarding South Dock and this is due to the proposed reduction in operating hours. We'll discuss that next. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Talk to me. Cork today on C103. Concerns on the future of the South Dock service in Formoy have been raised Again, it's believed the service could be limited in operating times from 6 to 10pm. Councillor Frank O'Flynn is raising the issue this morning. Good morning to you, Frank. Uh, good morning, John Paul. Good morning, listeners. Do you know why this proposed limiting of the service is going ahead or happening? Well, all we know is, and uh, there's no fire, as everyone knows, John Paul, and your listeners, uh, without some smoke coming out of it. But definitely what I'm going to say to you is this, that uh, there's uproar in the Fomai region, Mala, all not clock at the moment because we have a tremendous service in Fomai, the South Dock. It's based in Fomai. It's an out-of-hours service that provides a doctor. And there was a meeting recently, and uh, us coming from it is that they intend putting in place without any consultation, no information whatsoever. But the last person I think here is the patients we've forgotten about. And they're talking about bringing in a service from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the evening. Absolute disgrace. And then we're told to you call an ambulance. You must be calling an ambulance at the moment because that's already, John Paul and listeners know, it's already uh, overstretched. And you're going to go to uh, um, an outpatient, which is already overstretched. And the patients, as I said, are the last person here. Uh, South Topham for my covers a massive area, down near as far as hospital, down to Galbridge, down to way back towards Mella, way up to Watergate Hill, and down as far as Tallow Bridge, and way down into Bellydoe, and a lot of South Tipperary. It's a disgrace what they're even thinking about, even to consider doing it. So I, as a local councillor, we're not going to stand idly by and let this happen. And it's a huge area, Frank, as you mentioned there, that they cover from the base in Formoy. We have contacted the HSC in the Cork and Kerry office. We're waiting to hear back from them on this. When we did contact them earlier on this year about this, they told us at the time they were unaware of any changes to South Dock in Formoy. But we'll wait and see what they say with the latest uh, details we have sent to them. And as you mentioned, ambulance service are under pressure and there's waiting times. I mean, if you ring an ambulance, you can be waiting an hour, an hour and a half or more. And again, no disrespect to the 
ambulance workers they are doing the best they can and they're fantastic within the service and paramedics also uh, and local doctors Frank are making this point and they're also referring to nursing homes who are in the area who use South Dock a lot it would put pressure on them as well Quite a lot of um, well-run and well-supervised um, uh, nursing homes and for my, in Mitchellstown area in Kildalway as well. And they give a wonderful service. And they're also covered by South Dock at night. So in other words, what they're telling patients now is, and I'm, some are ringing me, they're worried, they're upset, and they have fear. And what they're saying is talking about here, yeah, we're talking about the health of the community. And we're talking about if you get sick, you must get sick between 6 and 10. There's no service for you now after 10 o'clock at night. Even to consider doing this, without any consultation whatsoever. We also have a hanging over at the South Dock cell, that's in for my, and also we thought maybe the one in Mallard. They're seriously considering moving that to, uh, up to the old hospital, up near Cork City. So if you're down in Galbally, down near the hospital, or above near Clare, or Valley Duff, you have a long ways to go to get the car. And if we're going to wait for an ambulance, God forbid, because we're hearing about the case of John Paul about the ambulance at the moment. The ambulance service, there was a wonderful staff. I know quite a lot of the drivers. There just is not enough of them there. And to tell the people, the patients, that shortly they're going to consider no doctor and call in, in, in our South Dock services until after 10 o'clock at night. Even to consider doing it, it's an absolute disgrace. And from those you're hearing from, Frank, do you know why this is being done or considered? Is it because of the lack of GPs, which we're hearing about? I mean, we, we will be speaking later. Uh, the people in Blarney who are unhappy, they have to go to Blackpool for a GP. Is it just down to the lack of GPs and there's not enough locally uh, in the rural areas? And that is why they are considering we're, this. We're not, we're not told exactly what's ha- what, what the reason was. But you saw what's happened the weekend there. And there's uproar. The Blarney uh, is, is now closed. They're talking yeah. to Cork. No cons- and, and the same thing happened there. No, there's nothing now at the moment. No consultation no, and no information. Just bring it in overnight. Put up a notice and say it's closed. And if this happens in for my over my dead body, we're going to fight this because you're talking, as I said, the health of a community, and you're telling people we are they, they are living longer, and um, the, the population is growing, and there's a vast need there. And you know, many people who walk there, they're, they're at, at the moment they're, they're, they're even overstretched. And if there's extra doctors, we need them. Put them on. And, 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 and in place in Formai and also in Mallet above the area. But definitely, the hang, what's hanging over South Dock and Formai at the moment, number one, they're not giving us a clear answer that they're not moving it. There's no doubt, as I said, there's no smoke without a fire, and they're asked considering movies, and that just didn't come about. But this thing now on top of that, John Paul, and listeners, it's not good enough. And I'm meeting many, many people, patients, and they're saying to me, Frank, we have to call them. Some people have health issues. They like to stay at home. It's a wonderful service. It's very essential. It's covering an area, John Paul, as big as Limerick City and County Theatre. And I think it's an absolute disgrace. And I'm calling in the Minister and the, and the HSE and SOTA to, to give us a straight answer and tell us that hands off in changing the service and to, from 10 o'clock at night, even to consider it, is an absolute disgrace. And have you sought a meeting? I mean, when you mentioned the minister there, you were a Fianna Fáil councillor, Frank. They were in government, Fianna Fáil, or your party's in government, after all. Have you any influence then that you can meet with the minister or meet with someone to discuss this within the HSC on South Dock? And if so, what is the timeline about? Or, or when could this likely happen? It's going to happen shortly because at the last meeting, we have another meeting today, uh, I put in, we wrote to the minister and we wrote to the HSC and we wrote to South Dock. Uh, they give us a strong commitment that no hands off removing South Dock from Hawaii. I look forward to going to that meeting now shortly after the talk. I'll be looking forward to what reply we have back from the Minister, South Dock and the HSE. Today on this issue, I'll be writing again. I've already made my, my, my views known to the Minister for it. But um, what I want here is a strong commitment, hands off, 
no change in South Dock and Fermoy, and no change to the service. Imagine to consider even telling people after 10 o'clock at night, bring an ambulance. That's no service. They're just washing their hands of it. It's an absolute disgrace. We're talking about the health of a whole community at the moment. You're proud about it. We fought hard to get it that first day, and we'll fight hard tooth and nail to retain it in Fermoy to serve the needs of the patients of Norcock. Okay, we'll wait and see what happens, Frank, and keep us informed after that meeting today to see what the response is and where indeed the HSC and indeed Southtalk will be thinking of of what to do with the service in Fermoy. Clearly, there's a reason why they have come up with this and we need to hear that as well for the moment. Uh, Frank, uh, thanks for joining us this morning, highlighting this. Thank you, Thank you. Uh, that is uh, Councillor Franco Flynn. And your views, I mean, we've heard over the last number of weeks about the issue in Fermoy with South Dock and the rumours that were circulating. Now this is a proposal seemingly that is on the cards and has been mentioned. A lot of people not happy with this in the area. We've heard from all over Cork City and County on how people are waiting when they ring for an ambulance of an hour, an hour and a half. We uh, last week had an email from Emily in the Ibera Peninsula who was telling us when she rang for an ambulance for her father the link to, and the, the time they had to wait for the ambulance to come uh, to Bayrat now thankfully her father is doing well and the obviously again the ambulance staff are fantastic and the paramedics and we had another person onto us from Ballonhastic and the hour they have to wait but if you're going to uh, put more pressure on the ambulance service it's going to lead to higher waiting times for everybody if one huge region of Cork is left uh, without a South Dock service overnight. Views welcome 0818 103 103. Text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. It's JP on till one with Cork Today and Bernie taking your calls on 0818 103 103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Shortly, the anger in the farming community over the new cap agreements and how many now will see their payments delayed. Uh, we'll be discussing that shortly on the programme. Also on our insurance segments, uh, uninsured drivers, why they are on the rise and also uh, household insurance. Are we all underinsuring our homes? Uh, discussing that with Paul Kavna from McCarthy Insurance Group and more to come along with your calls and comments and a lot of reaction into us. And this is to do with the footpaths and disability and access to footpaths, which uh, people are reacting on following our conversation earlier with Kenneth O'Sullivan who joined us from the Clonakilty Access Group when we were discussing last week about the compensation paid out to those who sustained injuries on Cork's footpaths. A number of access groups did make contact with us and one of those was Clonakilty and that is why uh, Kenneth joined us this morning on that. Well Finbar is in Mallow and he says Good morning John Paul. Over 20 years ago I worked with the Mallow Access Group and two German students at the time putting together an access diary and phone book of services and accessibility for people with disability accessing buildings. 20 years on, I'm dismayed at the work and awareness that was raised with this booklet for people with disabilities. We have gone backwards as a nation. It seems people with disabilities don't matter. Footpaths in terrible conditions, obstructions for wheelchair users and people with multiple disability problems. As the man said from Clonakilty, it is just terrible sad to see all the good work that was done at the time with businesses and stakeholders when Finbar worked with Avenue Development Group. He said, sadly now, as a nation, Finbar feels we are a commercial society and money goes over certain groups with disabilities. Many are forgotten about. Again, Finbar in Mallow on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And then uh, John 
And also in Mallow, onto Bernie on 0818-103-103. He feels the council should tar all footpaths. The bricks and slabs are dangerous and they start coming up over time. Uh, one of the streets he's mentioning is O'Brien Street in Mallow. He feels it's in very bad shape at the moment. Bill is in Clonakilty. Bill says he knows of a lot of elderly people who are avoiding the town. They can't walk on the footpaths and they are afraid they will be knocked down by people on electric scooters who are using the footpaths also, says Bill in Clonakilty. While Sheila agrees with what Kenneth said, for those towns who are going to install new footpaths, do look at the ones that are causing people to fall when it rains. Uh, Sheila says a number of weeks ago she was crossing St. Patrick's Bridge in the city centre onto Merchant's Quay. Uh, when she eventually got onto Patrick Street, she nearly slipped on the footpath because it was raining the same day and the footpath was really, really slippy. She said it also happened to her in other towns up the country so for those installing footpaths just beware the new surfaces they have installed in some areas and she's highlighting Patrick Street when it rains it's extra slippy and she's seen a number of people nearly fall luckily she nearly fell herself but managed to balance herself up before she fell but yeah I was even saying that to Kenneth during that interview uh, you will see a lot of those new footpaths installed that one on Patrick Street I know exactly where you're talking about and that is I think we've all nearly fallen there uh, due to the wet weather and the slippiness that that follows on that footpath and that surface. Uh, thank you, Sheila, uh, for your text to 0862103103. And John and Cove on the restaurants that were allowed to put their tables out during the uh, pandemic as a temporary measure. He says, why then are they still allowed to block the footpaths and those tables and chairs are still out? Uh, if there is an accident, then who is responsible? Is it the restaurant or Cork County Council that could potentially get sued? asks John and Cove and it's something we did discuss before in a legal matter with um, a solicitor on the show and really depends I suppose who the person goes after it could be both uh, it could be sued uh, in that instance or it could be just the restaurant but the restaurant could also be liable if someone decides to fall over or not decides if there's an accident and they fall over a menu board um, both could be held up uh, on that one uh, and I know we discussed that over the course of uh, those lockdowns uh, thank you John in Cove on 0818 uh, on the South Dock issue in Formoy, a lot of people discussed it with this and are asking the question, how can they even think? First of all, about proposing those hours. Uh, but as Linda says in Mitchellstown, if they think people are going to ring an ambulance after 10 o'clock at night when the ambulance service is under enough pressure, how unfair is that? How unfair is that to hear? I'm sure anybody working as a paramedic this morning uh, listening and that is what has been advised from South Dock to ring the ambulance. Uh, while Melissa, who was in Connor, uh, says, so where are we going to then bring everybody from Formoy and Mitchellstown? And as Frank outlined, South Limerick and South Tipperary and all the other areas of East Cork, which is serviced by this uh, South Dock in Formoy, are they all then going to be forced to go if not into an ambulance, then into A&E in our city hospitals. Is that not going to make the situation worse for those working in those hospitals? Indeed, uh, Melissa, it will. Uh, it's already busy in A&E, so this will only add pressure if 
this is to go ahead. It's only been proposed, uh, seemingly, and it's been spoken about and raised by councillors so that they can get the message out there and the fight on so that it won't happen. We are still awaiting a response from the HSC with regards to this. And just staying uh, on Mitchellstown, Ger was in touch and the text just came in as we finished up the interview. Uh, Bush, this is maybe other people's views on this. There is, of course, um, a new development proposed for Mitchellstown and Ger is asking all councillors in Mitchellstown and people in general uh, their position on the proposed what Ger feels is a disastrous development for a new square in Mitchellstown. Uh, Ger's view on text. Have uh, people mixed views on that? Is that the Georgian quarter you are referring to, which they are hopefully to develop in Mitchellstown? Um, some towns have got these quarters and they have been successful and they have brought uh, tourism and people to the town and then people sometimes are unhappy because they lose car parking spaces in the town as well. Anyhow, your views on what's proposed for Mitchellstown. And earlier on, we spoke about that survey from Pinney's and this was no surprise to many people, but it was Pinney's own survey on the pulse of the nation. And they had many findings in this. Uh, just a text in uh, from someone picking up on that. They say that survey JP you spoke about regarding people with children having less money uh, than people without. But what I would like to know, this texter is saying, where did all the extra payments go that was received from the huge child benefit package that people without children didn't receive? Why wasn't this highlighted in the survey? Well, I suppose if you speak to anybody who's contacted us, uh, and I can only chat to those or about those who ring us or text in on a daily basis, that extra money went on the likes of school books, went on uh, the extra bills coming into the home to heat the home, which the child would live in, obviously enough. Uh, your energy costs, your electricity, your gas, uh, food has increased as well as we know, uh, more so in the last six months and the extra money that they got was was covering that uh, amongst other issues as well. So that's where the extra money would have gone. And if you have a a busy household or five, six uh, children, especially those heading into the teens, you will notice your food bills, especially on the increase. Uh, Thank you for your text on that. Uh, And that isn't in the survey, but just on what we're receiving. That's the best response we can give to that one. And then a person sent in a text and they were out for dinner at a restaurant on a Saturday evening and they say this is a rare treat for us. The meal was beautiful but they could not believe that they were charged two euro for a jug of water that was barely coloured with my wadi. Uh, we won't be going back there again they say. Uh, well on that uh, and they're asking is this the case? It is actually uh, in many places you go to. No, not every restaurant, not everyone, but some do. And this goes back to 2015, where uh, a glass, a tap of water with carvery lunch in many restaurants across the country. At the time, the Restaurant Association said that it could cost you one euro and that that charge would come in from 2016 or 2017. And the reason for this was the massive commercial rate increases to restaurants and also then the charges that many businesses have to pay for water, as some businesses do pay water rates to Irish water. And many within the industry were saying, you know, those hikes may increase further as the years goes on. So if that was in 2016, 2017, uh, another euro to that would make sense. But we have had that before where some restaurants you go to, they don't charge for water or 
don't charge for as you say my wadi but some do so it just depends where you go uh, some you'll get it for free and some you might get the water for free but they may charge you for the my wadi so I'm not too sure if you were charged for did they specify the water and the my wadi or was it just the water you were charged for but you, you can be charged certainly in some bars you can be charged for my wadi and again some don't it just really depends where you go uh, but until you get the bill you're not going to really ask will I get charged for the water you may have to in the future but you may be charged for tap water uh, but that is uh, something going back to 2015 and Again, it really depends on, on where you go. And then a lot of talk over the last uh, number of days and people reacting and reflecting across the weekend to Joe Biden's visit. But someone picking up on the DUP and this person says it's hard to figure out how the DUP and Donaldson in the north and then you look over to uh, the UK and this person's mentioning uh, Boris Johnson in this and they're saying that the DUP in the north will not share power with Sinn Féin and others and they seem to doing everything uh, to stop forming a government in Northern Ireland. But then you had the US president who was over, of course, and wanted the UK to work closer uh, with Ireland on this. And then you had the UK, who this person feels won't allow Europe to be the boss. When you put all of this in the mix, we have a serious problem uh, with this in Northern Ireland and with the DUP is what this person is saying. And I think many would agree there is a, a massive problem there and it's trying to get them all to sit down and talk and form uh, government again in Northern Ireland so that the Northern Assembly can get back together and sit down in Stormont. Um, and that is something that I think both governments will have to work in London and Dublin. And something, even though there was mixed reaction to Joe Biden's visit to Ireland by UK media, uh, it was ITV News I saw, and it was last Thursday night, where that very point was made and people when Joe Biden was addressing Doyle Aaron and people had uh, in the UK that is had mixed views over him saying that the UK needs to work more closely with Ireland I think it was the way he emphasised that more closely caused concern to those in the UK and they weren't happy with that in many circles but it was ITV News who basically called it out and said what he's saying to London is take off the kid gloves sit down with the DUP and tell them to start sitting down at the table in Northern Ireland and that the, the governments were too soft in the UK with the DUP. I hadn't seen many others say that on UK television, but ITV did and we'll have to wait and see if that has been picked up on. But, you know, hopefully out of this, the UK government and the Irish government will work more closely together so that everybody can sit down in Northern Ireland for once and for all. And the big thing is I have a lot of friends in living in Northern Ireland and a lot of them who were born and raised there. And for them, especially the generation who are under 40. Yes, there's a lot of problems still underground with the whole religious side of things and what has happened over the years. But they want their health service dealt with. They want to buy a house. They have the same issues we have when it comes to housing and it comes to the health service. But a lot of that they feel isn't being looked after and the concentration is going on this age-old fight that has been going on in Northern Ireland for years and they're becoming disinterested in that and now they just want someone to sort out the health service, the NHS, and sort out uh, the housing situation. But that can't be done. Well, it is being done, but not being done in Belfast. And that is something that I think the DUP and others 
are forgetting about there's a country still to be run and it's not being run at the moment and that is frustrating a lot of younger voters uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years uh, because there'll be elections and if people feel that the person they elected is not doing the job by holding the country to ransom and if you're trying to buy a house and something is held up or you have the situation like here where you can't get a house uh, that may make a change so we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens with regards to that and very finally Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown on WhatsApp says in reacting to Joe Biden's visit he says the British people must have been taking buckets of Valium since President Joe Biden came to Ireland to try and get over the shock of the most successful visit to Ireland that any American president had in the past let nobody be in any doubt about his frame of mind he put the naysayers to sleep for some time President Biden has been one of the most successful presidents in the USA says Michael for putting legislation through the House of the Representatives on a bipartisan basis and it is still doing it even though he does not have the majority in the House it just goes to show the respect he has held in his speech in Balaná was powerful and let nobody be under any illusion says Michael that he is not the top man for the job neither should we forget the powerful delegation that the President brought with him the unseen business that was done was huge it wasn't a sightseeing tour it just goes to show the high regard that he holds Ireland in may God protect him and we should all look forward to his second term in the White House Ireland is rooted 100% deeply in his heart says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862103103 C103 Jobs Carney's coaches in Mallow require a HGV and diesel mechanics for an immediate start. You can send your CV to carriesofmallow at gmail.com or call them at 022-22467. O'Leary's Fencing and Plant Tire, they have vacancies for full and part-time general operatives. You must have a safe pass and manual handling search. You can call Richard on 087-2759-303. And a coffee shop attendee is needed for the Clonakilty Park Hotel apply by email to mcarolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie you'll find these jobs online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs you're listening to c103's Cork Today podcast phone and text lines are currently closed text or whatsapp Patricia with your comment 086 Cork Today on C103. We have received emails, calls and texts from farmers concerned about new new regimes when it comes to the annual payments with regards to the areas of natural constraints payment. It's all part of the change under cap and Harold Kingston is a local farmer, also an IFA member. He joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Harold. Morning, JP. And thanks for joining us on this. I mean, this is coming from the Farmers' Charter of Rights and the new arrangements under uh, the new cap deal. Can you just explain what exactly is going to happen here and why farmers are concerned? Okay, um, and listen, John Paul, before I start, I just want to um, pass on my condolences to a family who who lost uh, a a member there in in the last few days in uh, in West Cork. Um, We're very conscious of you know, pressures and different things on, on farms and so on, and it kind of puts uh, some of what we're going to be talking about into perspective mm. in, in terms of, of, a, of a loss there. Um, but yeah, like, look, the the, the situation with, with the farmers, uh, the charter meetings is that um, for for quite a while now, we've, we've been 
we've been working in a fairly good place actually in terms of of um of payments for farmers because on one hand Ireland is actually way ahead of the the rest of most of Europe anyway in terms of of getting the payments out in time and and so on to farmers uh and we've been having a, a charter where all the different farm organisations meet with department officials and iron out any discrepancies and come to an arrangement as to as to how to um, not just payment dates and so on, but but just the general running of of the different schemes and so on. And unfortunately, um, IFA has actually decided to withdraw from uh, the charter meetings at the moment because of the fact that there was a what we understood to be a proposal brought um, to, to a, a meeting which was looking at delaying some of the payment dates. In fact, most of the payment dates, um, we disagreed with, with with it and looked for, for, for the consultation on it. And the next thing, uh, and I'm, I'm actually looking at my own copy of it here, all farmers would have got a letter from the Department of Agriculture informing us of when the new payment dates were. So there was zero consultation. It was purely in, uh, using the charter to inform the farm organisations. So look, I know the one the one that you specifically referenced is is the one that has has um, it's, it's, it's usually the first payment. It, it normally happens uh, during the ploughing match. Um, so it, it mid September is the time when when a lot of families would be would be looking at at cash flow with with back to school and different things. Uh, it's a time when a lot of farmers, uh, in particular. Um, some some livestock farmers and and sheep farmers would be would be buying in feeds, especially you now a sheep farmer that would would not have access to land for producing their own fodder would be buying in feed around that time of the year and trying to buy it, um and and it's 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 now delayed until October. So it 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 the the key thing to look at here is is the cash flow situation. Um, like can you imagine for for somebody who is say a a PAYE worker normally paid on, on the first Friday or the last Friday of a month and be told, well, we're going to actually delay it for a full month. It it completely throws your ability to actually run a business um, because a lot of farmers will have this tied into either a loan repayment or paying a contractor or, as I say, buying in feed or or, or, or even buying in stock for, for filling sheds during the autumn. And as you mentioned there, September is a busy month. Uh, you know, children are going back to school. You're budgeting for that alone. And we have heard from sheep farmers, for example, who say they purchase stock in September, as you mentioned, around the National Ploughing Championships. And if the payment for them goes from September to late October, uh, it will have a huge knock-on effect for that sector, uh, not only for this year, but for the years ahead. Yeah, and, and the sheep sector is an interesting one in this particular context. Like, you know, for 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 most farmers, I know dairy is slightly different in terms of that it, it's generally a regular income. But most farmers, you're you're working on the basis of of budgeting for you know whether you're buying at a certain time or selling at a certain time of the year. You don't have a regular income right the way through the year, and the one stable part of of it has always been well, you know when this payment is coming, provided all the paperwork is in place, um, and and for to to throw that one bit of stability is a major shock to the system. Um, and and for, for sheep farmers, the Chagas figures from last year, put, to put this in context, um, the Chagas figures for last year were showing around €7 Euro per yo of a of an income. Uh, and uh, this year, it, it looks like a reduction in about €14 Euro per lamb. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Or 21 euro per yo equivalent. Um, so that kind of puts it in context how important this payment is and and not just how important the payment is, but that it comes on time. And the IFA, as you mentioned, pulling out of the talks there, for this to actually get sorted, would you have to go back in and speak to the Minister for Agriculture and others who are going to be involved in this? Because we mentioned the ANC, we mentioned the sheep farmers there. It's, it's affecting everybody working in farming life. Every payment, looking at what we're hearing, is going to be delayed one way or another, which will change the yearly income for farmers. Yeah, so look, the, the, the charter meetings are between... Um, the various farm organisations and the officials. So we have um, we have looked for and, and have yet to have a meeting specifically with the minister on this particular um, uh, issue. So look, we're 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 still waiting for that. Uh, I, I double checked this morning, and, and as of now, there isn't any 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 date for that. I believe this this has to be a political decision. Like, look, as you say, most of the payments. I'm I'm looking at the dates here. You know, the uh, the best payments are delayed by a week. The eco scheme payments, which used to be part of of our our, our normal payments, are delayed until October and, and uh, until the end of October instead of of, uh, of the start of October balancing payments and all these are based on on clear cases and this is an unusual year in a way we could we could see a certain amount of of leeway this year on there might be a delay because there's a lot of changes happening this year with with just the way that the payments are worked out um but the reality is this looks like it's it's being decided for the entire time and one of the excuses and I'm calling it an excuse is that and and I've seen the technology actually where I got a, an opportunity to visit what's known as the Joint Research Centre at the JRC in in Milan some number of years back it's to do with satellite inspections and we all heard that the the inspection system going forward is to be simplified. Now, the only thing that's being simplified is is for the inspectors themselves because they now don't need to walk out into a field. There is a satellite photo every month uh, taken so that you know what's happening in every field, whether it's planted, whether it's not planted, and we could talk about weather as well in terms of, of things being delayed. But the, the, the story now is that instead of inspecting just a small percentage of, of, uh, of fields, 100% of fields will be now inspected. Now, while it might be possible technically to do it, there is no absolute requirement to inspect every single field every single year. It's possible to do it on the basis of, of checking a certain percentage and, and then checking the other percentage over the next 5, 10 years, you'll, you'll, you'll get to every field eventually. There is no reason why this should be delayed by the fact that it has been decided to delay the payments. Um, On the satellite you mentioned there and the overlooking at, at fields, I was watching a programme on television and they showed how that act, how it operates and how mm. the satellite shows the fields and the, the various areas of scrubland and etc. But they're not always accurate whereby some farmers had payments delayed because the satellite wasn't accurately picking up the fields and sometimes cloud cover uh, was giving the wrong information, feeding it back into the system. I mean, that's going to have a problem for farmers as well if they're going to go further down that road. 
Yeah, no, one one of the, um, well, the, the, the way the technology is improving, there is uh, infrared, um, there, there's, there, there is, there's two satellites, one, one of which would be affected by cloud cover, the other which wouldn't. Um, so it, it should, it should, in theory, <laughs> be a bit more accurate. The other thing that's being put in place as well is that um, if, if there's a problem found, then the farmer will be contacted that there's a problem found. And what you do is you actually, either on your own phone, if, it, if it's capable of doing it, or you get your advisor to do it, um, that you take a photograph in the, in the area. The photograph is, is geotagged and uh, uploaded to an app. Uh, and and therefore there's no inspection needed, and you can you can show that yes this is shadow or this is this is because of of, of a tree coming out farther than you thought and so on. So look, I, I I think a lot of that stuff will be will be earned out. Um, but as I said, we we were prepared for teething problems this year, causing a bit of delay. But this is more than teething problems. This is a decision for the next. Uh, period of time up to 27 when when the uh, when the scheme is, is is designed to run. And why so many it, are saying here, you know, lobby the politicians. There's elections coming up. Mm. Get on to the agri minister uh, and ask him what exactly he will do to change this. I mean, it mm. does. When I read articles on this uh, and you hear and speak to farmers, it does seem they're not really open to change so far on this anyhow. And that it's been decided no, and we'll go we, ahead. Yeah, it it seems to be a fait accompli, um, and 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 just you know it's decided and take it or leave it. Um, personally, I'm I'm, you know it it's it's down to, to as I say, it's cash flow is the is the key point mm-hmm. here. It's it's you know there's farmers will have, you know either a contractor to be paid on that date or there's um, you know a purchase of feed or purchase of stock, or or as happens in an awful lot of cases because of the fact that you're. You know, it's the one thing that was guaranteed. You've negotiated with a bank that your bank payments go out on that date, um, or or that you know you're 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 paying your feed merchants. So there's a knock-on effect in in a in a lot of directions. Um, you know, the 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 major payments uh, uh, coming in October is 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 ideally timed for to to come in for to to pay for revenue uh, bills and so on. You know, all those things are all timed within a farmer's budget as to how this is to work. Um, and I see no reason why uh, this, this has, to, has to change. It, it has been working. Um, you know, as I said, Ireland is actually ahead of the curve when it comes to, to looking at, at, at payments. And for those who say that, you know, all, um, you know that there's, there's legal action and so on and this, we can't actually because the, the reality is that the, the final day for payment is July of the following year. So, so like they are advanced payments. They are generally speaking coming on time, um, but deciding to change the time is, is causing a lot of hassle to, to budgeting uh, for, for farmers and really, look, we can't stand for it. Okay, well, we'll wait and see if anybody will change this. As you said, it seems to be uh, more or less decided, but we'll see what this pressure uh, come on them. decision. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I mean, yeah. while some people listening are saying, does a month really make a difference? And these are people who are, and they've openly said on text, this is from Maura, I don't know much about farming, I'm not a farmer, but will mm-hmm. it make a huge difference? As you outlined there, it does when it comes to budgeting, and especially yeah, for it, sheep it, farmers, it, if they're purchasing stock and the money isn't there, then to purchase when exactly. they usually do. Yeah, so so like it, you know, um, do, do you tr- like if if you normally purchase stock at, at, in in September time, it's it's a time when when 
grass growth is dropping uh, at the time when when you're preparing for housing. In some cases, on the sheep one in particular, actually, there's a lot of stock bought that time because they go on to tillage farms at that time of the year. They come off the off the hills and onto tillage farms. So there's 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 a lot of, a lot happening at that particular time that people have budgeted for. And you know, are are you going to have to be looking for short term loans to to get you through that month to six weeks in order to have the funds? Um, you know, it, it's it's a substantial chunk of money uh, that that you knew pretty well within a couple of days as to when it was going to hit your bank account, and you have timed your your business around that, and it, it's it's just simply not going to work. No, um, like you know, trying trying to renegotiate with a bank on a payment date could be a major issue for yeah. for a farmer if they have their repayments based around that particular time. We'll wait and see uh, if anything will change for the moment, Harold. Thanks for highlighting it this morning on the programme. Harold Kingston there of the IFA, also a local farmer from the Cork McSherry and Barry Row area. Your views are welcome if you, if you are a farmer, like so many we've heard from, affected by this 0818 103 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. Time for our insurance segment with Paul Kavanagh from McCarthy Insurance Group. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, PJ. And first of all, we're going to discuss, and this is a report that came out a number of months ago as well, which we touched on at the time. And it's the amount of uh, uninsured drivers on our roads. And there's a lot more than we think on our roads with no insurance. But there's a consequence then for all of us in that. Absolutely. The report you're referring to was the MIBI, which is the Motor Insurance Bureau of Ireland, who pick up the uh, uninsured claims, untraceable claims, and um, they they give us some startling figures uh, that they had at the time, which was that there was uh, 187,800 people driving around uninsured, and they get their figures, and they match their figures for the report based on vehicles that are taxed but what i am saying is that there's an awful lot more than that out there and that in another survey done recently uh, by another group and by aviva insurance as well it showed that up to one in five we know one in five people who are driving without insurance and it could be as 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 high as one in four and that's a startling figure that that could represent a half million people driving around without proper insurance and when I say proper insurance, I mean there's a number of different ways in which that can come in. And another report that has come in to topple it all off, and I, I think someone needs to put it all together, is that there is 74,000 motorists driving around who have had their licenses disqualified and have not handed them up. So t- t- there's just there seems to be total lawlessness going on on the roads at this stage. And what it's leading to, really, if you want to put a correlation together, is that the, what the, there is a huge increase in the number of accidents and in the number of fatalities this year. And is this from drivers with no insurance? Well, we're not getting any report back on that. And so you can't won't sure. get reporting back. And that's the big problem with all this. It's all after the event. We're talking about 2022 mm. now. And and even at that, the full figures from the MIBI in relation to how much they did pay out will not come out until 2024, 2025. So we're we're behind we're we're behind the eight ball all the time to put it in in my terms. 
Uh, and when are we going to catch up with this? And I think, I'm, I'm sorry, it all comes down to policing. Uh, and we're not seeing the police out there, the Gardaí on Garda Shikana. We're not seeing them out there checking these items. They're on the road with the, the, the they have their cameras. They can detect all this. They have got the technology. Have we got the manpower now in the Gardaí to use this technology? That's the big question. And we don't because we had the Association Correct. of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors on last week fighting for that and even they have fought with senior Garda management about having people in the office doing paperwork. The Gardaí yeah. would rather them out on the beach as the Gardaí themselves would and senior management in the Garda said there's no problem there. So, I mean, they're fighting a battle within the force and that's leading to these situations. For people themselves though, Paul, who have their own car insurance, we keep getting calls uh, from people who say, oh, I have this certain type of car insurance where I can drive anybody's car with comprehensive insurance. Some may have that, but some when they delve through uh, and come back to us to say, oh, I actually don't. It's comprehensive on their car, but they can't go and drive somebody else's car with comprehensive. There is certain people out there who think if they have a comprehensive policy that they can drive any car at all but that's not the case that is not the case at all and anybody with comprehensive insurance should check it out and you need to check out exactly what am i covered to do ask the full question don't be afraid to ask the full question am i insured to drive someone else's car or is someone else entitled to drive my car and then What conditions are they pertaining to that? Because there are conditions such as you you don't have penalty points or it's is it someone else's car? Is it, you know what I mean? Is the car has the car got a, an NCT in it? And we know we've discussed the NCT problems there last month. So there's a number of different issues, and also then the huge one that's coming out at the moment that we're finding is the amount of people on learner permits, and it, it turns out that there are thousands of people that are on their fifth and sixth and seventh learner permit. So what's all that about? And uh, I mean, how do they get around that if someone genuinely is on a learner permit and just can't get a driving test or there's a reason why? Uh, how would you say it's the best way around that? If you're on your fifth, sixth or seventh one, it's not because you didn't get a test, it's because you failed the test mm. or because you didn't show up. And I'm getting reports back from the NCT people uh, sorry, from the driver license people, that there's an awful lot of no-shows. Uh, and, and are these people just not showing and just then renewing their license again for another 12 months to get around until next year for another no-show? So there needs to be a clampdown on this uh, to get things... We need to get things up to speed. And COVID is over. I know politically I can't really say that. But in real terms... We're trying to get on with life. We're, trying, we're moving on. The vehicles are back on the road. Everybody is seeing the traffic. But the big problem here is the amount of accidents are up. And more, more worryingly, the fatalities are gone through the roof. You mentioned there just regarding those who are off the road and don't hand back their driving licences. If somebody racks up uh, penalty points and they have over 12 points and they're, they're off the road, they've got the letter, but they continue to drive around with their insurance paid for, they're not covered, I presume, are they? Absolutely not. They're not covered. And, and, and another one uh, that you say, which is in a similar position, you see, people think because they have a disc on the window or a certificate inside in, in, in their driver's compartment that they're insured. You're only insured provided you, 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 you've ticked all the boxes, which is you don't have 
You've declared your penalty points, whatever they may be, at renewal. You don't have 12 penalty points. You're not off the road. You're not convicted. You do have a full license to drive the vehicle on your own. So there's a number of different issues here. It's not just because you have a disc up in the window. And another one that's really creeping up that came up in one of these reports is the amount of people that take out their insurance, put it on direct debit, and then lapse their direct debit. So they hold on to their certificate and disc, which if, 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 if they are stopped by a guardie, they can say, oh, I have my certificate and disc, but they haven't paid the premium. And in real terms, those, those people, a report goes back, to Angarda Shukana from the insurers once this happens, but is it st- where is it stuck in this paperwork? What paperwork are the Gardaí doing inside in, in, in the station that's preventing them from going out? Because we're not seeing the benefits of them examining this paperwork. And then if the person, I mean, has given the cert to the Gardaí, they just drive off again, so they can be still driving. I mean, if, if the paperwork comes back saying they're not insured, that person is you know, could have driven around the country for the last two or three days. Two or three years could be ridiculous. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. No, I mean, I, I'm linked uh, to Angarda Shikana on Twitter, so I, I, can, I get the feeds of the people that they stop. It's mainly on motorways, mm. etc., where they stop them and they, because the, with the number plate recognition. And what I'm saying, I think the big call here today is that we need to get more Gardaí. So it's a political one. It's one for the government. We need the Minister for Justice to get more Gardaí on the beat. As you said there from the Chief Super there last week, we need more Gardaí on the beat. We need more Gardaí out doing their duty and looking at uninsured vehicles, vehicles incorrectly being driven, in, vehicles being incorrectly parked, which was another one that comes up in your programme, parked up on footpaths for, for accessibility, etc. There just needs to be some law brought back in, into being. COVID is over, I'm saying that. So let's can we, can we get some law-abiding rules, please? And just stay on car insurance because a number of questions in on this. First of all, this is from Donald and he wants to know if he revamps a vehicle and he gets rid of, you know, the AdBlue uh, fuel that he has in the vehicle, if he gets rid of that and changes it to another fuel type, can this affect his insurance? Absolutely. He has modified the vehicle. If any modification that takes place on a vehicle that changes the performance of the vehicle or changes anything to do with the mechanics of the vehicle, the braking, the springs, the suspension. I've even seen blacked out windows being outlawed by a few insurers. So if there's any modifications, and I actually had a case with with a young lad who who nearly ran into serious problems, uh, and his, his parents came to me and said, can you sort the young lad out? And he had got a modification to his exhaust here in Cork City, and uh, that co- he had an accident, and his insurance company it wasn't ourselves. His insurance company refused to pay, cancelled his policy, put the young lad in an awful position. So thankfully, we got his policy reinstated with a lot of pressure, may I say, and a lot of work, and it cost a lot of money. So before you do any of these things, you need to check them out properly. And another t- person on WhatsApp here asking um, asking Paul, if a person is insured under their parents' insurance on a full licence, are they fully insured in case of an accident if they are driving on their own? Well, if they have a full licence, 
and that, and that was the word that you used, mm-hmm. not provisional. Learner permit, there's a number of people driving under their parents' cars and learner permits, and they're not insured at all. They're not properly insured, and that's a serious problem. If they have a full license, and you can't really answer these questions in general, but at least if you have a full license, then you need to be named on the policy, or it needs to clearly state that you're under their open driving, which is normally 25 to 70, but it could be... It could be twenty. It could be twenty-three to seventy. It could be thirty to seventy. So if you're twenty-eight and you've got thirty to seventy on the certificate, you're not covered. You need to be named. And somebody else is picking you up on the repeating the driving test or not even getting the driving test. If someone is uh, doing this five or six times, then uh, this person feels it's the instructor's fault. Don't blame the L-plate driver. Maybe they need to reset uh, those instructors. Is someone blaming the driving instructors there for the lack of... uh, I, I, I have, sorry, John Paul, I have great time for the driving instructors and the great work that they do. And, and and the way that they can get young people through the tests. So what is wrong with a person, for example, over 25, over 30, over 40, who you cannot blame the instructor for that. You cannot blame the instructor for that. And in any case, I'd even ask the question, are they getting instruction at all or are they just playing the game? I, w- I would suggest the latter. That they just go along and do the yeah. driving, not test, but learning the the driving with the instructor before they ever do the test. It's just sitting for for the sake of it. You reckon, is it? But, but I, a number of them aren't showing up at all. That's that came out in a recent report. This all needs to be checked into it with a fine two comb. Okay, very finally, Dan is in Rathcormack. Uh, Dan wanted to insure his car with AXA. Now, it has been off the road, uh, but AXA have said now they cannot cover this without an NCT search. But he can't get the NCT search because he can't take the car out on the road with no insurance. Is there a way around this for Dan in Rathcormack? No, I think Dan is goosed, to be honest with you. And and the the killer point here is that he had the vehicle off the road. Mm. Okay, and he didn't have it insured. If he had continued with his insurance, fine. And then he could have gone for renewal uh, and got a booking. As I keep telling people, get your booking, even if it is next September. Get your booking, photocopy it, and put it up in the dash. And you're, you're fine. We've, it's agreed with all the insurance companies that that's fine. You've made the effort. You have a test coming up. And provided there's nothing wrong with the vehicle. Now, if the vehicle is wrong, if there's something wrong with the vehicle, the fact that you put one of these up on your up, up on your window doesn't mean that you have that you're clear to, to drive. Because if the, if the, one of the conditions, sorry, the that condition of every policy in the Republic of Ireland is the vehicle must be in a roadworthy condition. So brakes, tires, etc., must be perfect. So no luck for Dan. Really, he's no way around this at all. No, there doesn't seem to be a way around that. To be honest with you. Uh, I would say that he gets on to, to the NCT and stresses his case and says, and I had it actually with, with a person recently who was in a very similar situation, not as bad as then, but similar, uh, and I advised him to ring the NCT uh, here in, in, in Little Island, uh, and next thing they got a call out of the blue to say, well, we have uh, an availability tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, can you be here? And they said, yeah, I can. Oh, and you know? then they got it. Some, yeah. And then they got it. Because they were on a standby. Somebody had cancelled. Yeah. Somebody had a problem and couldn't get their vehicle 
ready in time and, and, and had, had rang in the NCT for a cancel. But these no-shows are calling a re- causing a real problem, and I have my suspicion behind it that it's part of using a smoke screen to get their licence renewed for next year and drive on and say nothing. Okay, I, we could go on, Paul, with this, but I have to leave it there, unfortunately. We'll go back to home insurance next month and deal with those who maybe are under-insuring their homes, but a lot of questions in there came to us regarding the uh, car insurance aspect. Uh, but thanks for joining us uh, this morning, Paul. Thank you, John Paul. Take care. That is Paul Kavner there, Carthy Insurance Group. JP, until one, Bernie taking your calls and comments on 0818 103 103. Text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103. And Annalisa Drizel from the Health Hub in Ballincollig will join us just after 12.30 answering all your nutritional questions. You can get those into us on those numbers. But over the weekend, we heard from locals in Blarney who were left disappointed as they received letters from the HSE on Friday informing them that their local GP service will be moved to Blackpool. Well, local independence councillor Ken O'Flynn joins me on this. He has seen uh, the letters issued by the HSC. Good afternoon to you, Ken. Uh, good afternoon, PJ. And just to confirm, uh, my household as well received the letter, as you know, where we're our family are residents in Blarney as well. So not only is it just a constituency matter, it's, it's also a matter from a local, you know, um, who's left without a doctor. And you said at the weekend that you felt the HSC sending out these letters is basically giving the two-finger salute to the people of Blarney. Well, look, the reality is, and, and, and I'm sorry if that sounds vulgar, but the reality is, is that that is the case. Now, I can go back to the start of this when Dr. Uno Halvin um, entered negotiations with HSC to say that she was retiring and that she was closing up. There were two applicants live. I've seen one of the applications uh, from a very well-known um, medical practice who were willing to come in, take over the practice, take over the offices. All staff would be retained as well, so there'd be no. It would be seamless. Um, that was an option. There was actually two options on the on the on board for for um, HSC at the time. They decided to go off and not give a damn about the private, uh, the private, the people that don't have a medical card in Blarney, the private patients, uh, they left 600 people out in the cold, kind of paddle your own canoe, was the answer from HSE. There was a situation where they decided to move the practice, uh, the medical card practice, all the way out to um, Balancholic, which resulted in people having to take three buses. Uh, it resulted in files being moved to Balancholic, where... where in particular, a lot of private patients were moved out to Ballincollig as well without being told um, after sourcing their own GP, etc. Trying to get your files back and trying to try to get track of your files was, was a saga for a lot of people. Uh, I can assure you of that. Um, but, but we now have a situation where we're, we're told HSE has rectified the situation by moving the uh, GP practice uh, seven kilometres away. Now, that might be fine for somebody who's young, fit and able, like yourself or myself, that's able to pop into their car and get down, get down the road to Blackpool. Uh, it might be fine for somebody that's trying to get, uh, that's able to get a bus. But there's a lot of elderly, infirm people, people with severe disabilities, people that can't uh, travel, people that can't, A, can't afford to travel, B, um, ca- can't use the f- facilities that are, that are there and available in Blackpool, uh, and are used to having a GP in their local village that they can go to, that they can rely on. They also have, a, you know, adjacent to that, you have McElliott's Pharmacy, where, you know, you know, like when you're local, you know yourself, when you go into your local pharmacy, the pharmacist can say, look, that doesn't suit you, because remember, you tried that before, and that wasn't right for you. There's all those little things that go on, with the with with having the medical practice as well inside there, you know, and having a medical yeah. history and having an, having an experience. Like they know that. your history and your family history uh, and correct, what's in your uh, family. Uh, and what, what, 
what's wrong with him, what was wrong with and tablets that didn't suit you and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, the, the reality here is HSE did have an option to accommodate everybody in Blarney. It might have been a little bit more expensive. It might have cost a little bit more. But it would have accommodated people. Like, we're now discommoding a huge amount of the community um, who are medical card holders, who are vulnerable people, who are elderly people, who may not be able to use the bus facilities because of their disabilities and because of their ailments. And you're discommoding all these people. And I was going to ask and say, is it because of the concerns and the lack of GPs in Ireland? But if you feel there is someone ready to go in and take over the existing practice and and move in there, that doesn't seem to be the case. And it seems to come down to money, whereby you're having one huge new part of Cork City, Blarney now, of course, in from the county to the city, being excluded to having their own GP service for an ever-growing area with new housing developments further planned in the next few years. Correct. Like this, this doesn't just affect affect Blarney, it affects Tower as well. It affects the the areas that I live in, Killeen, Coolow, uh, and all that all that direction as well. And there was also people that felt very comfortable with having a female doctor, um, with Doctor Halloran, who was an excellent doctor, you know. Um, and, and that facility isn't available either for people in Blarney at the moment. And, and no and disrespect we, to that doctor, every doctor is entitled to retire yeah, and leave. Absolutely. So it's it's up to the HSE then to find a replacement for that well, area, but they well, haven't the, done the so. Worst, the worst part about this, Peter, is that there was genuine interest, there was detailed bidding for to take over the practice, for to move into the practice, to retain the staff and to grow the practice. There was, de- I've seen the detailed bidding. And for HSE to come around and say, we're going to discommode you, we don't give a damn about you in Blarney, we're going to move you out to Ballincollig for, for 12 months, and now we're going to move you into Blackpool for another uh, for six months later. That's unacceptable. And that's not right. And that's not a fair way to treat anybody. I uh, number... What annoys me the most, being honest to Peter, is that a lot of people went out and they went out in the protest and they went out and they got their photographs taken and they, they, they did your show and they did other shows and they did the, the, all the newspapers and they're all gone missing. They're all gone to ground today. And yet the people of Blarney are discommoded and a lot of people are very, very upset. I spoke to a number of my neighbours after Mass on Sunday and, you know, people that are annoyed about it, people that are talking to me saying, how do I get my dad now into the car and trying to take time off work rather than being able to get down in a taxi or being able to a neighbour for to drop them down? How do I how do I do that? How do I, and that's upsetting for people. And you're referring to local TDs there, you feel, who should have done more. Well, I'm saying that there was a lot of TDs called public meetings and did this, that and the other and, and said everything would be sorted and, and took credit for this, that and the other and nothing has been done. They a number of uh, texts and... when it went to Ballincollig and we haven't seen the boat in Blarney since. Well, a number of texts and on that, uh, first of all, hi JP, uh, you can tell Ken as well that the area of Bearings, uh, we That's do right. travel in uh, to Blarney, we are now going to be discommoded because getting to Blackpool can be a hindrance for a lot of people who do not like driving into the city areas uh, while Mark is in Dunamore he says Hi JP we too are, are users of the facilities in Blarney and now like those people will have to travel further so it's not just Blarney is affected so not there's a wide Blarney, scale here It's a big chunk of North Cork you know And uh, is it too and, late and to change this? Ignored. Well look I've written to HSE I've asked them to reconsider again I've asked them to confirm that there was two feeds because I've seen one of them I've, I've read the, one of them in, in, in great detail um, I know there was a second bid as well from another doctor of practice, um, and I don't understand. And I want to work out the reasoning uh, and their their ideas of how they can move everybody from Blarney out to this area. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me at all, and it's a total disrespectful move from HSE and disingenuous move from HSE to say we're providing a service. And we're, and you're not. We're, we have to remember that there's a number of people as well 
that are not being seen, but that had their GP, had their private GP, don't have a medical card because they're earning a little bit over, or that they're just not entitled to a medical card at this time. And, and they're totally discommoded. They're still looking. There are people still looking to, for a GP to take them on. So those people have have been offered no GP if no you GP, don't have a medical no, card? No, 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 no. And the HSC will come back and say our, our priority is the people that have medical cards. So if they can't find the GP, I mean, what do they do? Because it is impossible yeah, to get well, and go impossible. and find a new no, GP. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be honest with you, I'm bringing pals mind are in, in the medical practice saying, look, is there any chance you can take on so-and-so um, for me or take on this family or take on that family? And a lot of the time they're saying yes, but more often they're saying no. You know, but they just can't, they can't take on extra people. So you could have people who do not have a medical card and pay when they go and see their own GP travelling from Blarney, to different parts of Cork. Well, I, 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 give you, I give you a prime example. My mother is one of those people. My mother is one of those people without a GP this morning. And where would she have to go to if she was going to get a GP? I mean, she could be going to y'all, you could say. She could, be, she could end up anywhere. She, she, um, at the moment, when she, was, when she was ill there in January, she ended up having to wait for South Dock to open at 6 o'clock to go and see a GP because she didn't have a, a GP. And I can tell you, South Dock weren't very accommodating either. They said, well, who's your GP? And she said, my GP's after retiring. I don't have a GP. I can't get a GP. You know, and trying to get the appointment with Zotac was difficult. I can tell you that. And what did they say when she outlined she had no GP? I mean, were yeah, they kind well, of pushing her off? Pretty much because the practice is that you have to have a GP, you know, even though she was paying privately. And eventually, in fairness, that, you know, but I was trying to get their, their head around their policy, I suppose, for the girl that was working in Dublin um, that, was, that was dealing with her on the phone, you know. Um, well, I have heard from people, Ken, who are going to South Dock because they can't get an appointment with their own GP. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm hearing that. I'm hearing that an awful lot as well. Is your health service just falling apart slowly? Uh, I don't think it's falling apart slowly. I think it's falling apart quite quickly. I think we're after pumping huge amounts of money into the health service. There seems to be something seriously lacking. And you know what? I've lots of people my age and younger who are off in Dubai and following them on Instagram and Facebook. They all train either as nurses or doctors or uh, radiologists. And, you know, I can't blame them. They're getting out of the system and they're going off to Dubai or they're going off to other areas and they're, and they're, and they're making a life for themselves there because they're A, their contracts aren't being honoured properly. They're not getting paid the wages they deserve. I was inside myself. I, I, we were inside in the, uh, um, in the accident emergency and I have to say the staff are absolutely fantastic. They, they work um, lights out in fairness to them, but they're just the capacity inside in the CUH recently. Um, it, it just amazed me that, you know, they just couldn't cope. And the staff are brilliant. The staff are brilliant. And you, you feel sorry for them, nurses and the, 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 people that are, the people that are at the front line. You know, they're brilliant staff, but they're not being supported by government. They're not being given the resources they need. And you can see here HSE again taking cutting, cutting corners and discommoding people and don't give a damn about the people. And you have to realise that the HSE's business it's people, it's human beings. It's not a commodity. It's not, it's not a, a product you can put on a shelf. See, we're talking about real people. Yeah, and I mean, the staff in all areas of our health service do fantastic work. It's not their fault. They're, you know, they're the ones on the ground who are working. They don't make the decisions. And somebody's asking, could patients not use Zoom or remotely visit the doctors? I suppose that could work with some regard, but sometimes no, you physically have to go and, and get checked out. That, that works with some cases, very much so, but a younger generation of people that are um, technologically minded. Uh, and I, I've, see, I've seen it. I, I've seen the, the Zoom doctor call. Um, I, I've witnessed one. 
And, and you know, they do a very good service, but that doesn't facilitate somebody who is living out in, in Bearings or living out in Dunamore with very, very dodgy internet connection. Yeah. Um, or it doesn't suit somebody who's, who's never seen the internet. Yeah, you know? but also you, you, may, you may need to be checked out physically. Yeah. There could be a Correct. lump or something, so it won't. Correct. Eventually, you will probably have to go into the GP. It yeah. will work for some cases, certainly, and that will take the pressure off using online services. But for some, you will, you will need to still to go and see a GP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the, the plan? So, I mean, are you going to protest in Blarney? What is the plan well, to, to look, keep it, a GP service there? You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not one of these protest politicians that, you know, bring people up the hill and bring them back down again, you know. Uh, I'd much prefer to enter negotiations. I've written to the HSE. I've asked for uh, information to be passed on. I've asked them to reconsider what they're doing. I have nothing against this doctor that's in Blackpool. I think, you know, they're, they're Yeah, again, nothing to do with the doctors involved but outside of their control. Certainly, there's certainly a better option that I know of that would that would service all of the Blarney area, uh, and would be uh, and and the outer area. And what I'm saying is, there has to be a small bit of cop on. There has to be a small bit of uh, of realization that you're dealing with human beings. You're not dealing with livestock, mm. and that's what I feel like at the moment. And I have written to HSE asked them to reconsider this. Okay, Kim, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon. That is Independence Councillor for that area, Councillor Ken O'Flynn. Your views are welcome. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Uh, Somebody saying, listening to you earlier regarding South Dock in Formoy and what they're thinking of doing there. We're cutting the hours and now this in Blarney. It seems we have a third world health system and indeed scheme, says uh, somebody on text. A lot more comments coming in on the various issues we have been discussing. We'll get to those next. The C1 Three Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. The next meeting to progress Donorell Community Plan that is going to take place in the Presentation Pastoral Centre. It's going ahead tomorrow night at seven o'clock. And also tomorrow evening, Adam Carter will hold their West Cork meeting in the Mill Court in Bandon at 7.15pm. All bereaved parents are welcome regardless of the age of the child or circumstances of death. For further information, you can contact Anamkara by email info at anamkara.ie. And Mallow Athletic Club, they will begin their Couch to 5K tomorrow evening. It's every Tuesday and indeed Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and also Saturday mornings from 10am. And can Turk Tuddy Towns, they meet every Tuesday evening from 5 to 7 in the Tom Park in Kenturk. You can go along and help them with their Tidy Tuesday and all are welcome there in Kenturk. And Clonakilty Brass Band with special guest Paul Finn will perform a fundraising concert in Dunmore House Hotel. That's going ahead on Sunday, the 23rd of April. It starts there at 7pm in Dunmore House Hotel, just outside Clon. Uh, tickets there are €15. Euros. Uh, children are €10. Euros. You can also get those tickets from O'Donovan's Hotel in Clonakilty or indeed any band member of the Clonakilty Brass band. If you have an event and you want to advertise it, well you can do so free of charge. Just include your event in the Cork Diary by emailing diary at c103.ie Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie Cork today
Cork Today on C103. A large amount of commentary on, on the various issues we have been discussing across the show. Uh, here's a selection of them. First of all, to footpaths we discussed earlier on in the programme. Jared says JP on footpaths in Mallow, or the lack of them, Muddy Hill in Mallow, which has a car park, but no footpath to reach the main shopping centre. It's very busy with cars and pedestrians have the dodge between them, yeah, and very busy from O'Brien Street trying to cross over uh, to the shopping centre there as well, a busy area. And you're right, a lack of footpaths. Thomas in Bantry he says in the Reenrower East area of Bantry at the top of Farmers Lane there are no footpaths but a lot of houses in the area it is very dangerous there in that area of Bantry and then to food the cost of food at restaurants and we heard earlier from a listener who was charged for water with my wadi in it which isn't unusual and you have to depend on where you go for your food some restaurants will charge you some restaurants won't a lot of it goes back to the cost they are facing and the Restaurant Association of Ireland uh, telling us a number of years ago it was water rates and business rates that were forcing some restaurants to charge for water or indeed for my wadi. Not all do it but some do and somebody here making the point that they gave four euros for two tablespoons of spuds in a bar recently. So there you go the cost of eating out. And regarding insurance a lot of calls and comments in on this uh, who we discussed on our insurance segment with uh, Paul Kavanagh from McCarthy Insurance Group. John is in Castletown Roach. He says put insurance onto the price of petrol at the pumps that would solve a lot of issues and a lot of countries across the world do that John uh, the insurance is included at the pumps and uh, another person here this is in regards to the revenue uh, that the government get off a motorist this person thinks that uh, the government are only concerned about revenue speed vans in perfectly good roadways to catch people a few kilometres over the limit they need to review roads and speed limits also some of our roads are dangerous and the drivers will always be blamed for speeding when sometimes it's the road surface or indeed lack of markings and lack of paths. Insurance is very important. I would never drive without it, says this person. But I do think there should be a race track type place for people to learn. There should be able to handle uh, the way you drive your car before going out on the roads like the way they teach people and they do this in Germany, uh, says a WhatsApper. So thank you for that. And there's a few of those, as you mentioned, race track places not race tracks but they're learning centres where you can drive around a roadway around the track it's a specifically area made to feel like you're actually on a main road or in a track and there's a there's one or two, if not two anyhow here in uh, Cork and regarding Dan who needs to take his car to the NCT centre a number of people Dan have been asking I wonder could you hire a car transporter or maybe your local garage uh, would have arrangements for this uh, that they could bring your car to the NCT centre Sandy's saying if the car could be dropped off then to the NCT centre with an arranged time. Uh, would that work? It's not been on, you know, it's not used in the public road, then it's in the back of a transporter. Would that be something uh, for that? I'm not sure because it would have to come off the transporter then and still be driven into the NCT centre. So where would the insurance lie there? And also I think for Dan, if it's an option, certainly a lot of people have been on it. It is an option. But for you, Dan, I would ring the NCT helpline first or your local NCT centre and put that to them that could you do that? Could you bring it on the back of a transporter? But then when it comes off the transporter, driving it into the NCT centre, uh, where does the cover of insurance lie then? Just for your own sake, Dan, on that. And thank you for those listeners uh, sending in those solutions to Dan. And also, 
on the Garda problem that relates to the insurance situation with the lack of Gardaí in the ground. Shane making the point, as it was said last week, the top table of the Gardaí needs to be deleted, as Shane says. Also, he feels listening to our conversation regarding the health service, maybe they need to do the same with the top table of the HSE. And then something totally different when we're, well, not totally different, but a different look and view of the health service. Teddy is in Kenturk and he's saying uh, and why we are discussing the cutbacks uh, with the South Dock that could happen not going to happen yet but is, is proposed and there's concerns that this could happen and also what we're hearing from Blarney regarding the GP services moving to Blackpool for those who have a medical card and others may be left without a, a GP it would seem well Teddy says in Kenturk that he was in Mallow Hospital recently and I want to say a big thank you to the doctors, nurses and all the staff at St Mary's Ward in Mallow General Hospital he, all the gang there provided Teddy with excellent care and that's uh, providing some positives from our health service. And back to insurance, an email from Brendan to Cork Today at c103.ie. Brendan was a police officer in the UK for many years. He says no tax discs, no MOT or entity as it is here, uh, no MOT discs required. Why? Because the police have full access to a database which shows if a vehicle is insured and taxed and other national databases which would indicate if a driver is disqualified or a learner. The technology has been there for years. Ireland needs to adopt this technology ASAP. Brendan, by email. Thank you, Brendan, for that. And in some ways, Ireland has, uh, but we need to go a lot, lot more. And there was a dispute for a time from the insurance side of things that they did not want to hand over a lot of the information. Not too sure, was it data protection or just an insurance thing? Uh, but I think that some way has been solved, but still there's a lot more information that can be gained from when they scan a reg plate and as you say many countries like the UK uh, you don't even display a disc it's all automatic from your reg number now a lot of calls and comments coming in and this is from uh, people looking for ask, asking Annalisa a question sorry a lot of people reacting when we mentioned the, the issue there of uh, the tracks where you go and learn how to drive these are basically roads where they set up a, a roadway maybe people picked up the wrong idea this is where the it's like a, a field's being dug up and they tar it and then they put roads and they put roundabouts and you learn how to use the roundabout and you learn how to use you know the, the junctions and all of that because I've got an amount of calls and texts coming in saying that's a ridiculous idea uh, learning on a racetrack I suppose the callers didn't mean a racetrack they uh, meant a, a, a situation whereby you would be more or less driving in a town or a village or a main road scenario but it, you wouldn't be in the town or village or main road and there's a number of them in Cork too anyway that I can think of off the top of my head uh, one in Morn Abbey there was one in Bantry as well uh, but no for people who are texting in and thinking that we're going to make people rally drivers we're not just to clarify that now a lot of questions in for Annalisa and they are on the way uh, she's on the way shortly answering all your queries keep them coming to us I must mention though a lovely evening in Ross Carberry last night uh, I was in the Celtic Ross Hotel to honour local jockey there Brian Hayes of course a Ross man himself and this was for the monthly Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sport Star Awards with C103 and the Southern Star and Brian was recognised why? Because of course he had a big win in Cheltenham guiding Impervious the horse he was on to victory in the Paddy Power Mayor's Chase he also of course then he came back he was an entry on 
unfortunately a bit of a, a slip off the saddle in entry but he is doing well but he came back from entry and wait for this got on the plane back and then headed to Tremor and had a win yesterday in Tremor that's some going anyhow nice to meet his family and friends in Ross Carberry last night along with many listeners who were there as well Call Patricia with your comments 0818 103 103 Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103 And it's time to join Annalisa Drizeld from the Health Hub in Banning for this week's nutritional slot uh, Good afternoon to you Annalisa Good afternoon John Paul And first of all you want to mention before we get into questions about an eye test uh, that you were doing in your store there next Thursday Yes, so uh, we have a nutritional therapist who has a very, very uh, expensive and good piece of machinery that can measure the damage to the back of your eye that's caused from, say, UV light or screen time, looking at blue screens or computer screens. Um, And it's very good because it prevents further degeneration if you can catch it early. So she's going to be here on uh, Thursday the 27th, which is Thursday week. And um, if people would like to book in for an eye test, it's €25 and they'll get some nutrition advice. And if there's, you know, if there's any damage, they'll be given advice on how to reverse that damage as well. So if people want to book in for that, John Paul, they can just give the shop a call on 0214810110 or go to the website for the number. And would that be caused from looking at screens too much and computers and phones? Yeah, so like that's a huge issue for people is... um, so before it would have been mostly eye damage would have been caused from the sunlight, but these days most of it now is actually coming from um, from watching television, from computer screens, from looking at the phone all the time. And it actually damages the little cells at the back of the eyes and it gets to a stage then when the damage is actually not reversible either. So um, it's better to prevent rather than cure. Okay, well, uh, that's on this coming Thursday. So in your store, Annalisa, because... Thursday week. Oh, Thursday week, oh, Thursday week is it? Thursday week, week in your store. Yeah. I care is a huge issue for people who use computers a lot at the moment. All right. Uh, let's get into questions, Annalisa. First of all, this is a female in her mid-30s. She's prone to experiencing migraine in the last couple of months. And recently the migraines have eased. But what she's noticed is sometimes she gets pressure on the left-hand side of her head. Now, the same side is where she gets migraines. She's not sure what the pressure is at the moment she is taking B-complex and some magnesium citrate at night. Uh, any advice for her, Annalisa? Yeah, the migraines are actually a difficult one, John Paul, because there's a number of different reasons and if you can figure out your own particular triggers, that's really the best thing. But um, the first thing I would say is when I hear somebody in their 30s, I'm kind of thinking maybe would it be hormonal? Would it be a little bit of hormone imbalance? So for the listener, I would say Look to see, are your migraines worse around the time of the month, maybe when you're either ovulating or coming up to your period? And if it was that, um, if it, you know, if it was more frequent and if it is down to hormone imbalance, then balancing the hormones would be key. So taking something like uh, a high dose of vitamin B6 and supporting the liver with things like milk thistle, dandelion, artichoke, NAC, these would be all things that would improve detoxification of hormones. So they help with hormone balance for women. Um, And that's really the key for uh, hormone migraine. But there are other kinds of migraine. Some people find that taking 400 milligrams of riboflavin, which is vitamin B2, is um, very, very good. You take it preventatively, Jean-Paul, so you need to take it every day, really. And this would be for people who'd commonly get, like I've had customers who could have five or six migraines in a week, you know, they barely get over one and they're getting another one. Um, And this is fantastic for some people. It solves the issue. So it's 400 milligrams is the minimum dose you need to take of vitamin B2. 
magnesium this lady's already taking, which is good. Um, that can help as well. And then the common foods that would cause problems would be things like um, chocolate is very good, is a very common cause. Cheese is another very common cause. Anything that's aged, so cured meats, cured cheese, um, wines, they can all be very particular triggers for migraine. So maybe keep a food diary and make a note to see is there something you're eating that's um, maybe causing the problem. And this person has been diagnosed with vitamin B12 deficiency. Now, they've gone to their GP, they've got injections and they were going on for three months. Uh, But after the injections finished, they weren't feeling too well. Now, the GP wanted to leave the injections alone just for a three month period. But is there any over the counter B12 products that you could advise or is it just the injections? No, and actually, to be honest, I think it's much, much better to take a vitamin B12 every day. And the reason being is that B12, all the B vitamins are water-soluble. So you won't actually store a lot of them in your body, and after a few days, your body will be depleted. Um, taking, getting an injection into the blood will bring it up very quickly, but your body will actually rid itself of the excess B12 fairly quickly, so you will become depleted reasonably quickly as well. It's very harmless, John Paul, because it's water-soluble, so it's very hard to overdose on B12. Taking it every day is really by far the best solution. So we have a couple of different ones here in the shop. Um, the ones that I like the best are the ones that actually get absorbed in the mouth because I think for some people, the issue is that they're not absorbing. In You know, there's an issue with the stomach that means they're very genetically poor at absorbing. So by taking one that gets absorbed through the mouth, it just bypasses all of that problem. So you're looking at Nutri-Advanced, they do um, a, a vitamin B12-1000 sublingual. Um, also, Salgar have got little B12 nuggets that are sublingual as well. And there are sprays. Some people um, will do well on the sprays. But my own personal experience for customers is that they do best on either the Nutri-Advanced or the Salgar B12 nuggets. You need to make sure if you go into the health shop that you make sure you ask them for the sublingual one. And somebody asking regarding magnesium then, uh, could you ask Annalisa, MAG365, is that the best magnesium to take or what would you recommend? So there's different magnesiums, um, John Paul, and it can be really confusing when you're buying them because you don't know what you want, you know, what one is the best one. I think some of them are better for certain things than others. So the MAG365 has to be mixed with boiling water and then it converts it into a form called magnesium citrate, which is fairly well absorbed in the body. One of the issues is with magnesium is that if it's not absorbed, it acts as a laxative. So some people might find taking magnesium runs through them. And if that's the case, it's no good because you're obviously not absorbing if, if it's running through you. So um, that's the, the, the thing with the Mag365. It's a good product, but you do have to mix it with boiling water. Now, you can also take magnesium citrate that's already in citrate form without having to convert it by, by um, adding boiling water and you can get it in capsule form. So I think that's a better one if you've got a dodgy stomach and if you feel it might be, you know, acting as a laxative. Then there's magnesium biglycinate. This one is better um, if for sleep at night time because the glycine part of it is wonderful for promoting the, um, the calm sleep hormones. So that's a better one to take if you're taking it for sleep. And then there's another one called magnesium malate. This one is a better one if you want to take it for energy 
for energy pathways. So if you've got post-COVID or post-viral fatigue, the magnesium malate is another one. And a lot of people recently have come into the shop looking for magnesium 3 and 8, which we can't get here in Ireland. And that's one that seems to cross the blood-brain barrier better, so it gets magnesium through the brain barrier into the brain if it's needed for that. Um, And that might help in terms of stress and anxiety. But other magnesiums, truthfully, will do just as well. And any advice for this person, Annalisa, who wants to know what they can take? They have a primer underneath their tongue. A primer so, underneath their tongue? Yeah. Like I, an ul- I haven't heard of that now before. I wonder, is it like an, an ulcer? An ulcer, I'd one? imagine. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's an ulcer. Yeah. So, OK, mouth ulcers under the tongue. Normally, when people get mouth ulcers, the first thing I think of is, um, if they're not run down, is an allergy to something called sodium laurel sulfate, which is added to lots of products as a foaming agent. So it'll be added to toothpastes, it's added to body washes, to hair, shampoos. And the same thing goes for shampoos as well. If you get a very itchy scalp, maybe you're allergic to the sodium laurel sulfate in the shampoo. So in the case of a mouth ulcer, changing to a toothpaste that has no sodium laurel sulfate in there um, is the key. And you'll get those in a health shop. Make sure you ask for one without sodium laurel sulfate. But actually generally in a health shop, there's none that isn't added. For a lot of people, that solves the problem. Also, using um, na- um, uh, colloidal silver, sorry, John Paul, I've lost the name there for a yeah, second. Okay. Colloidal silver, which is silver in nanoparticles. So they're the tiniest particles of silver suspended in water. And people like my age will remember mercurochrome, which was mercury. Um, and chrome in a, a tincture that you added when you you got put on your wounds when you fell, because all of these metals are very powerful natural um, antibacterials. But of course, mercury and chrome are highly toxic to the nervous system. But silver, that colloidal silver, is wonderful for sore throats. For if you have a rash on your face um, due to wearing masks, a lot of nurses would have that problem. If you've got mouth ulcers, it's great to throw um, put on a cut or any open wound to disinfect it without stinging. So it's really suitable for eyes um, and for children as well, and it doesn't taste of anything. So in this case, change to a sodium laurel sulfate shampoo-free toothpaste, get the colloidal silver in a spray, spray it directly onto it, and you could also take a vitamin C and zinc, which is wonderful for wound healing. And Kathleen is a McCroom. She has dermatitis, but it's especially irritating in her eyes and ears. Now, she got a special shampoo from the doctor. It does help. But what else can she do and where could she go to get an allergy test for this? So, OK. Um, now, with dermatitis, there is often an allergic component. And I do the food allergy tests here in the shop, John Paul. They're the blood tests that I do and I can tell you the most common ones that come up for people are eggs and dairy most people always automatically think gluten but actually it's the other two that are more commonly um, a problem for people so maybe look at those foods in your diet or consider getting the food allergy tests done they're expensive but they're very accurate Um, I've had them done myself with multiple companies to make sure that they're reproducible and they're good they definitely work Um, what I'd say there if the doctor gave her shampoo that's generally tends to be a kind of shampoo, John Paul, for fungal. Um, And if that was the case, something like grapefruit seed extract would be a very good natural alternative. Uh, It's it's a very, very powerful natural antifungal. It's a great antibacterial. You can use it to gargle with as well. It's great if you've got oral thrush. You can take it internally too um, when it's diluted. So I would get that in the health shop and add it into your shampoo. 
And C, does that clear it up? Because sometimes it's really just the dermatitis from the head is moving down towards the eyes. Now, the grapefruit seed extract would be very bitter, so it wouldn't be suitable for putting on your eye. But certainly, if you could clear up your head, I'd say your eye would clear up at the same time. Okay, and we're running out of time, but just to get the last number of questions in, first of all, Noel, uh, Annalisa, what would you suggest for hiatus or hernia? What's good for this? So a hiatus hernia is where um, the actual stomach starts to come up between the little hole in the diaphragm, and it can be very painful it increases your uh, chance of having acid reflux. So normally this, the, the advice I give John Paul is split your meals into six. So rather than have three big meals and snacks, have six very little meals. Make sure you chew, you chew well. Um, if you're getting uh, acid reflux with a taking a teaspoon of bicarbonate of soda in some water can help. And if you wanted to try maybe slippery elm, that could help as well. And zinc carnison sometimes can help tighten up that little valve that leads from the stomach upwards. But the problem, unfortunately, with the hiatus hernia is that it's the pressure pushing up that's forcing the acid up. So I think the best advice for people is eat little and often and at night time, raise the legs of the top of your bed with books so that you're up on an incline. Okay, no, hopefully that helps for you. And a man here who's in his 60s, very active life he leads, but he has a constant pain at the back of his head and despite MRI and blood's been all clear, uh, this persists. Any ideas for him or, or what can you advise? I don't know, John Paul. I don't know. Is it like a headache thing or is it a muscular issue? Um, I suppose the first thing I'd suggest would be maybe go and have a little bit of massage or physical therapy. Um, to see if it is a muscular thing because if there's um, a weakness around, you know, or if there's arthritis even in the neck, the muscles actually can become quite pained because they take up a lot of the um, the weight of holding the neck up. So I'd suggest that first. And if you feel it helps, then maybe um, going to a chiropractor, getting the spine realigned and making sure that, that there's no spinal misalignment would be another suggestion. And then finally, I suppose, taking something if there's arthritis in the base of the neck, which is very common, uh, especially if there's been any accidents or whiplash or anything, John Paul, it's very common to have arthritis there. That would lead to pain in the back of the head. So taking something like um, turmeric, which would be a good natural anti-inflammatory, or the UC2 cartilage is very good as well for arthritis. And if you can, in 20 seconds, this is for a person who's post-menopause but still feeling hot and sweaty. Any advice? So for the hot, hot flushes and the sweats, always sage is the best. I would certainly try that. Or you could try taking a plant-based oestrogen, which is perfectly good to take post, pre-menopause and post-menopause. And we love the Dong Kwai is very good. Terranova Dong Kwai or the Nutri-Advanced Perimeno uh, Plus is, is a fantastic support for those symptoms. Very good. Annalisa, thank you for that. And we'll chat to you again next week. A busy one this week. And any questions we didn't get to, we'll hold over and bring them to Annalisa next week. You can get her at the Health Hub store in Balancolic. Annalisa Giselle, or indeed Annalisa, is available on healthhubstore.com. You can listen back. Go to c103.ie and check out our podcast section there to listen back to everything Annalisa has said. And that's it. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced it. I'm John Paul McNamara. Patricia's back tomorrow morning. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.